Let me invite you to take your Bibles and let's turn to Joshua chapter number 22. Book of Joshua chapter number 22. Getting close to the end of the book here. We're well, going to take a look at uh, tonight the danger of misunderstanding. In our passage this evening, we will see that even after all their great victories, they found themselves in a situation that almost led to a civil war between the ones that were on the east side and those that were, uh, I mean, those that were on the west side and those that were going back over to the east side of, of Jordan. And uh, it's all because of a misunderstanding. And I want us to see we can avoid most misunderstandings if we simply take time to honestly seek the truth. Check the situation out. Well, we see, first of all, an important change that took place here. And uh, uh, we begin, we see some words of encouragement for a new beginning uh, after the major battles had been won and the land had been divided, Joshua had some words of encouragement that he wanted to impart to the Reubenites. Remember, the Reubenites, Gadites, and half-tribe of Manasseh were going to be going back over to the east side of the Jordan River, returning home there. It had been over seven years. Why don't you think about that? They had fought for seven years. Uh, they had left their homes and loved ones to fulfill their promise to fight the Canaanites. And remember that these two and a half tribes did not take their inheritance in the promised land like the other tribes did, but they had asked for their inheritance uh, there on the east side. Now I want you to, let's note Joshua's words of encouragement. We see, first of all, Joshua commended them for keeping their promise. Look at verses 1 through 3 here. And then Joshua called the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh and said unto them, Ye have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. Ye have not left your brethren these many days unto this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. You know, it's always important to keep our word. And when we say we're going to do something, we ought to follow through on it. You know, God doesn't like for us to... Um, Tell him that we're going to make a commitment and then not follow through on the commitment. Um, but we see here, uh, second of all, Joshua discharged them from their service. Look at verse 4. He says, Now the Lord your God hath given rest unto your brethren as he promised them. Therefore now return ye and get you unto your tents and unto the land of your possession which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side, Jordan. So he discharged them, said, you guys have finished up what we've asked you to do, what the Lord has asked you to do, what Moses and I have asked you to do, and uh, we're gonna, you, you can go home now. And we see Joshua admonished them in verse 5 to be diligent in worship and obedience to God. It says, verse 5, but take diligent heed to do the commandment of and the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you, uh, to love the Lord your God, and to walk in all his ways, and to keep his commandments, and to cleave unto him, and to serve him with all your heart, with all your soul. That's a good encouragement, isn't it? You know, we, we ought to want to, 
to follow the Lord as closely as we can. And he saw, you know, that it was going to be important. They were going to be separated from their other brethren. Uh, he admonished them here just to be diligent in the things of God and their worship and obedience to God. And that will come up, come up uh, here in just a minute uh, with the misunderstanding that's going to be going on. Um, then we see in verses 6 through 8, Joshua blessed them and reminded them uh, to share their spoils with those who had remained behind protecting their families while they were gone. They you know, had, had to leave some behind to, to guard their families. Uh, well, those that guarded the families uh, were uh, right to share in the spoils of, of war. Take a look at uh, verse 6 through 8 here. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went unto their tents. Now to the one half of the tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given possession in Bashan, but unto the other half thereof gave Joshua among their brethren on this side of Jordan westward. And when uh, Joshua sent them away also into their tents, he blessed them. And he spake unto them, saying, Return with much riches unto your tents, and with very much cattle, with silver, and with gold, and with brass, and with iron, and with very much raiment. Divide the spoil of your enemies with your brethren. And the children uh, of Reuben and the uh, children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh returned and departed from the children of Israel out of Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to go into the country of Gilead, uh, to the land of their possession, whereof they were possessed, and uh, according to the word of the Lord um, by the hand of Moses. And when they came into the borders of Jordan, that are in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and here's where the misunderstandings took place, built there an altar by Jordan, a great altar to see. Okay, so um, what are some lessons that we can learn from the early part of this? Uh, you know, there's a lesson about being true to our word and being totally obedient to God. Amen. Uh, and there's a lesson about being committed to that which God has called us to do. You know, sadly in our day, commitment has become a, a dirty word. People don't like to commit. They don't like to make commitments. And too many want to enjoy the benefits from God without making a commitment to God. And uh, some make a commitment, but they quit along the way. They give up before they finish the task. These tribes had spent seven years of their lives at the task they had promised to do, and they didn't stop until that task was finished. And that they are uh, a very good example to us. Um, there's a lesson here also about sharing in, in the blessings of service. While not everyone got to go and fight, they were all to share in the spoils of the war. And church life, not everyone can be involved in every aspect of the ministry, you know. Um, but we can all rejoice uh, in sharing the blessings that come from laboring together. You know, we're all gifted differently, and we come and edify the body of Christ, edify one another, do our part. Um, we, God gives each of us varying gifts so that we may contribute something that is necessary to the whole. Each one who is a part of this local church has something to, con to contribute. Now, I know some folks think they don't have anything to contribute, but uh, that would be 
saying that God didn't know what he did and giving them a spiritual gift. And God's given all his children spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit has, has gifted you in some area. And so each one who is a part of the local church has something to contribute. And then we can all share in the blessings of God together as we do our part. And as God blesses, uh, we can rejoice in Him. So we see the important change that took place. And then we see this innocent action that took place also that we read about there in verse number 9. And let's go ahead and read, read verse number 10. And when they came unto the borders of Jordan that are in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben and, Ge- and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Nassau built there an altar by Jordan, a great altar to see. So what happened to cause a misunderstanding? Well, leaving Shiloh, now understand Shiloh was where they erected the tabernacle. The tabernacle was going to be in Shiloh until uh, when David when uh, David had the... Uh, Tabernacle built by Solomon. That's when it changed from Shiloh to Jerusalem. Okay, God's name would permanently be there. But uh, leaving Shiloh, these armies of the eastern tribes, they, you know, here they they head excitedly going going for home. And as they approached the Jordan River, their minds were probably flooded with the memories of the miraculous things that God had done for them. You know, they probably thought about the miraculous crossing of the Jordan River seven years before when it was in flood stage and they had to go across it while it was in flood stage and God God got them across there. They thought about, no doubt, the remarkable victory over nearby Jericho and some of the other triumphs that they shared with their brothers whom they just left behind. And they also took to heart the charge that Joshua had just given them there in verse number five to, to make sure that they love the Lord, and that they worship the Lord, and that they serve Him. Um, so they decided to build a huge altar, one that could be seen from a great distance, that would bear witness to the generations to come. They knew that the true basis of their unity was their common worship centered in the sacrifices at the altar, the altar in Shiloh. Okay? But often what we intend as good, somehow, somehow gets viewed a different way. And that's what happened here. Um, it got viewed differently by the tribes that they left behind. And so we see a misunderstanding that took place. Uh, verse number 11, we, we see two deadly words. Heard, say. We, <laughs> look at verse 11. And the children of Israel heard, say. Okay. They heard say, Behold, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh have built an altar over against the land of Canaan and the borders of Jordan at the passage of the children of Israel. Now what they took away from this is that uh, these tribes that just left them were about to establish another religion, about to serve another god. Uh, the other tribes became greatly offended at the actions of these two, the two and a half tribes uh, of what they perceived took place. Okay? What they perceived what was going on. You know, many folks get offended by things they hear before they get the facts because they're prone to assume the worst. Why, why are we that way? Prone to assume the worst. It's part of our flesh, isn't it? Sadly, that seems to be our nature. We naturally assume that what we hear and our perceptions or assumptions about it are true. Um, 
Proverbs 18 verse 13 says, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and shame unto him. Uh, James 1 verse 19 to 20 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And what we see here is they kind of got quick to wrath. Um, we see the tribes in verse number 12 were ready to go to war with their brethren because of what they perceived and assumed to be true. Look at verse 12. And when the children of Israel heard of it, again, they heard say, they heard of it, and they made some assumptions here. He said the, when the children of Israel <coughs> heard of it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered themselves together at Shiloh to go up to war <coughs> against them. Now, first, the tri- tribes of Reuben and Gad and half-tribe of Manasseh were guilty of unwise actions. That's what they were guilty of. They weren't really guilty of doing anything wrong. It just they, without explanation... They had erected a huge altar where the Israelites had crossed over Jordan on dry ground without any explanation to the other tribes. Now, maybe they hadn't planned this and maybe as soon as they got over, they said, hey, I got an idea. Let's build an altar. Let's build a big old altar so we can remember God. (laughs) We're not told. But it looked like they were putting up an altar that was in competition with the Lord's altar that was set up at Shiloh. Now the second mistake was on the part of the other tribes who hastily jumped to conclusions about the purpose of the altar without first investigating. In fact, they became very belligerent about it and gathered their warriors back to Shiloh for the purpose of preparing to go to war against the two and a half tribes. Um, Let's see the the delegation that was sent from Shiloh. Look uh, Look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, And the children of Israel sent unto the children of Reuben, and to the children of Gad, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, and to the land of Gilead, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest. And with him ten princes of each chief house, a prince throughout all the tribes of Israel. And each one was a head of the house of their fathers among the thousands of Israel. So they sent these leaders, so to speak, um, to, to investigate what's going on here. Verse 15, And they came unto the children of Reuben, to the children of Gad, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, and to the land of Gilead. And they spake with them, saying, Thus saith the whole congregation of the Lord, What trespass is this ye have committed against the God of Israel? And that's, they're assuming that they've committed a trespass. They're assuming this. Um, it's, what, what, what trespass is this you committed against the God of Israel to turn away this day from following the Lord? That's the assumption that they made, that they, were, they had turned away from following the Lord and that ye have built an altar that ye might rebel this day against the Lord. <clears throat> is the iniquity of Peor, talking about Baal, Peor, too little for us from which we are not cleansed until this day? although there was a plague in the congregation of the Lord. Now, we're talking about a previous incident uh, that's spoken about in Deuteronomy 4.3, where it says, Your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Baal Peor. For all the men that followed Baal Peor, the Lord 
thy God hath destroyed them from among you. So this delegation charged them with turning away and rebelling against God and they reminded them of God's judgment of those who had previously followed Baal Peor. They also reminded them here of the judgment against Achan. Look at verse 18. But that ye must turn away this day from following the Lord and it will be seeing ye rebel today against the Lord that tomorrow he will be wroth with the whole congregation of Israel. They were afraid that uh, the whole congregation was going to suffer because of them building uh, this altar and making God mad. Look at verse 19. Uh, Notwithstanding, if, if the land of your possession be unclean, then pass ye over into the land of the possession of the Lord, wherein the Lord's tabernacle dwelleth, and take possession among us, but rebel not against the Lord, nor rebel against us in building you an altar beside the altar of the Lord our God. Did not Achan, the son of Zerah, commit a trespass in the accursed thing, and wrath fell on all the congregation of Israel? And that man perished not alone in his iniquity. So they're, they're afraid that these uh, brethren of theirs are getting them in trouble with God. So how do we resolve this conflict? We, well, we see the resolution in verses 21 through 34 here. And hopefully, <clears throat> as we look at this, we can see how to resolve conflict. To resolve conflict, you know, one thing you've got to do, you've got to take time to get your facts straight, right? You've got to take time to really understand what's going on. A little investigation will put an end to much misunderstanding. It was true than for Israel, and it is true for us still today. We make too many assumptions based on what we have heard and not what we actually know. If someone doesn't care enough about the truth to seek it out, then really what they ought to do is just keep quiet. Amen? Um, if they had taken the time to investigate the actions of these two and a half tribes, uh, if they had not taken this time to, to do that, they would just went to war with them. Can you imagine? I mean, at least they went to, to investigate. That's what they needed to have done. But they still kind of flew off the handle making some assumptions and, uh, and they were kind of eager to fight among themselves. So let's not, uh, let's not be more eager to fight among ourselves than to do battle against the real enemy. Amen? Um, so... Uh, to resolve conflict, take time to get the facts. To resolve conflict, listen to the other side of the story. Look at verse 21. And let's, uh, let's read down to verse 29. Verse 21. Then the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and half-tribe of Manasseh answered and said unto the heads of the thousands of Israel, The God of gods, the Lord God of gods, the Lord God of gods, He knoweth, and Israel He shall know. If it be in rebellion or if in transgression against the Lord, save us not this day. <laughs> that we have built us an altar to turn from following the Lord or to offer their own burnt offerings or meat offerings or if to offer peace offerings thereon, let the Lord himself require it. In other words, what they're basically saying here is we didn't build this to offer sacrifices on. We built it as a memorial is what we built it, built it for. Think of verse 24. And if we have not rather done it for fear of this thing, saying, In time to come your children might speak unto our children, saying, What have you to do with the Lord God of Israel? 
For the Lord hath made Jordan a border between us and you, and ye children of Reuben and the children of the Gad, ye have no part in the Lord, so shall your children make our children cease from fearing the Lord. Therefore we said, Let us now prepare to build us an altar, not for burnt offering, nor for sacrifice, but that it may be a witness between us and you and our generations after us that uh, we might do the service of the Lord before him with our burnt offerings and with our sacrifices and with our peace offerings that your children may not say to our children in time to come, you have no part in the Lord. Therefore said we that it shall be when the, uh, they should say to us, to, to our generations in time to come, that uh, we may say again, Behold the pattern of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made, not for burnt offerings nor for sacrifices, but it is a witness between us and you. So build it after the altar in Shiloh to for a memorial uh, purpose to teach their children. Verse 29, God forbid that we should rebel against the Lord and turn this day from following the Lord to build an altar for burnt offerings, for meat offerings, and for sacrifices beside the altar of the Lord our God that is before his tabernacle. So the accused tribes here, we see, made it clear that they weren't setting up a rival religion, which is what they were being accused of doing. This altar they built was not, not for sacrifices, but rather it was just for a witness. And it was to remind the tribes west of the Jordan that Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribes Manasseh were still the Lord's people as a part of the nation of Israel. They could look across the Jordan and see that big old altar there and say, hey, those are our brethren over there. Um, and so the altar was a, just a replica of the Lord's altar at Shiloh. But this altar wasn't for sacrifice. It was intended solely to be a memorial that would testify to the future generations that the eastern tribes were indeed a part of the nation of Israel. And I want you to note that the response of the two and a half tribes to the charges wasn't given in anger. Okay? Um, but instead, their answer was given in sincerity. I mean, they couldn't believe that they were being, <laughs> being taken the wrong way. Uh, Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. And we be, need to be careful how we uh, approach things, don't we? The eastern tribes weren't trying to hide anything, nor were they trying to lie to cover up what, uh, what they had done. They were open and honest about what they had done and their intentions behind it. And while building an altar probably wasn't the smartest thing, uh, that they could have done, their intentions in doing it was were honorable. You know, we need there's something to learn on both sides of this. Before you do something, you think about what you're doing and how it's going to be received. And then when you're on the other side, be careful of jumping to conclusions, right? Uh, so to resolve conflict, you have to settle the issue and put it to rest. And we see that in verses 30 through 34. And it says here in verse 30, When Phinehas the priest and the princes of the congregation and heads of the thousands of Israel which were with him heard the words that the children of Reuben and the children of Gad, the children of Manasseh spake, it pleased them. 
So they accepted the, the explanation there. Look at verse 31. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, said unto the children of Reuben and to children of Manasseh, and the children of Gad and the children of Manasseh, this day we perceive that the Lord is among us, because ye have not committed this trespass against the Lord. Now ye have delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of the Lord. In other words, <clears throat> what they're saying here is that, uh, you know, if we hadn't checked this thing out, if we'd just come to war against y'all, we'd gotten in trouble with the Lord. And they would have. Warning against their brethren for no no real reason, you know, for the wrong reason. And so that, that's what Phinehas was talking about there. Verse 32. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, and the princess returned from the children of Reuben and from the children of Gad out of the land of Gilead into the land of Canaan to the children of Israel and brought them word again. And the thing pleased the children of Israel. And the children of Israel blessed God and did not and did not intend to go up against them in battle to destroy the land wherein the children of Reuben and Gad dwelt. And the children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar Ed. Ed the altar. <laughs> Ed means uh, witness. Said, for it shall be a witness between us that the Lord is God. So the answer of the eastern tribes uh, that they gave to the leaders of Israel was acceptable. And they were reassured that there was no evil intentions here on the western tribes' action. So they returned, informed the western tribes that the rumors were false, that they had jumped to conclusions, and they put an end to any further misunderstandings regarding that issue. And in response, they praised God, which is the way it ought to be. Amen. And the eastern tribes uh, called that altar Ed, meaning that it was a witness between the tribes on both sides of the Jordan that the Lord is the true God. Now, application. What's the application for us today? When we have a misunderstanding with another person, or if we are hearing rumors about them, we need to find out the truth. Don't jump to conclusions. The best way to do this is to invite the one who is maybe telling the rumor to go with you to talk to the person that the rumor is about. <laughs> um, if we care about the person, we will want to put an end to rumors and clear up any misunderstandings. We need to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. We need to know, make sure that we have our facts right before we take any kind of action. We need to have an open and honest discussion in the spirit of gentleness and not arrogance. Amen? And if we find that there's a misunderstanding, then we need to put, put all the rumors to the rest, make sure that the issue is settled and closed. What, what's in the person's heart will ultimately be revealed in how they respond to the truth. And if someone is truly seeking what is right, what is best for the body of believers, then they will rejoice when a problem has been resolved. And, but if their intentions are not right to begin with, then they will never be happy with the answers they receive, and they'll look for other reasons to bring discord among the brethren. So let's, let's make sure that we... Uh, Avoid the dangers of misunderstanding. Amen. Well, that's our Bible study for this evening. Um, let's pull back out our prayer list. We'll pray for the needs that are here. And we'll be dismissed with this prayer.